Welcome back into Sports Stampede. Adam Munster Tiger here with Ryan Konigsberg, JJ behind the glass. It's time to jump into our Rockin' CU segments brought to you by Rockin' Company, Colorado Specialty Stone Construction and Rock Products Company. Proud CU alums and supporters, real rock for the yard, rockinco.com. We're going to welcome in Bo Gamble. Just finished up his career at CU last year, was a walk-on from 2012 to 2014. Recently served an internship for the Pac-12 Network. Bo, uh, we want to kind of get your perspective on the CU men's basketball season, uh, and uh, no, no better person to get it from than, than somebody that was in the program recently. How are you doing today, Bo? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Of course, of course. Well, let's go back to Wednesday night where, where CU goes out to Salt Lake City and loses to number 9 Utah by 25 points. In all three of their, their true road games this season, CU has – failed to shoot over 40%. They've shot under 40% in each of those contests. But what what obviously it's very difficult to win on the road in college basketball. Very difficult to beat a top 10 team on the road. What did what were your takeaways from that basketball game out in Salt Lake City? Um obviously I was very disappointed um in the boys effort uh especially in the second half, you know. I mean, first of all, everyone knows it's tough to win on the road. Um and then when you taken in the factor that it's a uh, top 10 team and Utah is veteran players out there. It's never going to be easy. And especially, I mean, we've never won there. Um, even when they were down uh, two years ago, I remember when they were not good at all, we even we blew that road game. Um, so first of all, that's not an easy place to play. Second of all, um, my hopes were high uh, in the first whatever it was, six minutes, we were playing well, and then XJ missed the lab, rolled his ankle, and from there, I think the momentum just completely spiraled downhill, and it wasn't looking good for the rest of the way, for the Buffs the rest of the way. What is it so difficult that, that you see it across college basketball? It's not just you. It's very difficult to win on the road. What is it about? Is, is it the crowd and, and just guys being younger basketball players and uh, having a hard time adjusting to that, that atmosphere on the road? It's crazy. I mean, you look everywhere, and and I, even when it gets when it boils down to, I mean, it's always college basketball playing on the road is tough. But in the NBA, even when you look at the playoffs, having home court advantage is such a big deal. And people say, well, the rims are still ten feet high and the ball's still around or whatever. But the fans, I mean, if the players want to say that the fans make a difference, but they don't, the bottom line is they obviously do because they play a huge factor in the game and and motivating the guys like you're, you're going to play better and you're going to play with more confidence when you have 10,000 or 15,000 or, or even 6,000 people that are behind you being loud and backing you guys while you're out there and, and motivating you to play harder. So, and then, so as a home team, that's obviously the advantage. And then when you're on the road, it's, it's brutal when, when they go on an 8 0 run and it just gets loud and all of a sudden your emotions are so high and you feel like you need to make the home run play, even when you're like a younger guard or a younger player out there. and Even veteran guys, like I know, I know Ski always tries to make that home run play when, he, when, when a, the road team goes on or the home team, when we're on the road, goes on that run and the crowd is just amped. It's like we always are just trying to make that, we got to make that big three or we got to get to the hole real quick. And it's like, you know, we need to pull the ball out. We need to calm down and, like, get this set right and get the stops one by one. But the road is tough. 
Um, it always has been, and especially for college players, no matter where it is, and especially in this conference, it's always going to be tough. The Buffs have shot under 40% in all of their true road games this year. Is there some, you know, you talked a little bit about the crowd and something. You hear people talk about the backdrop and that sort of thing when you go into a new arena. Is there something behind that? I mean, obviously, you're so they practice at Coors all the time. They can get shots at the Coors all the time. So they're obviously always used to that. Um, but there's certain arenas, it's, I mean, that it's, it's a little different. It's not the same where you just put up. 500 jumpers each day this week where you only got an hour shoot around and you shot there and yeah you can make shots and stuff but it's not the same as you taking you're not taking 500 reps there each day each week you know right Uh, um you know obviously this team has had struggles and that's no secret to anybody but i think the the criticism of tad boyle has gotten a little bit out of hand but i'm going to give you a little bit of, of a soapbox here what would you say to you know people who are getting pretty serious with their criticisms of Boyle. They're spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> they're spoiled completely in this. They think that there should be a different coach or they think they could coach or they think they could draw better inbound plays. Guess what? You can't. Coach <laughs> Boyle is the man. Um, he's obviously turned this program completely around. Um, he's brought in great guys um, every year. And, yeah, you're spoiled if, if you want him gone and you're going to go at him this season because the, the bottom line is winning on the road, one, is tough. Um, this team only has one senior. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to make excuses. This team has definitely un- underperformed. Um, and even Coach Boyle will say he hasn't done the best job. But for the fans out there that are saying that it wants to be a change or Coach Boyle is not a good coach, you are very spoiled with what's happened the last couple of seasons. Don't take NCAA tournaments for granted. Don't take Pac-12 championships for granted. Bo, uh, you said that you know he's brought in good players every year. He he has. Uh, but if you kind of look back back to 2009, obviously a Buzdella class with Alec Burks coming in, and then the transition class with Tad Boyle and getting Andre Robertson in 2010, then Spencer Dinwiddie the next year, and Josh Scott in 2012. Those guys were all stars. The last two classes has had some some guys that are pretty good basketball players, but no stars. Is that the main issue with this basketball team right now, having a two-year recruiting drought in terms of not getting that future NBA guy, that that star uh, out of those classes? Uh, you know, I I think I think you got to give time uh, time for these kids to develop. Still, um, I, I mean, definitely for obviously still for Tori and Dom. I mean, their ceiling is still to the sky like we don't we don't know really I mean Dom is still so far behind I mean you factor in the two games where he was suspended his ankle injury his wrist injury he's missed so much time that he's just getting thrown out there that you know I mean you see flashes of it when when, uh, against Utah especially I saw there was flashes where you saw wow this kid can be really good Um, and then same with Torrey when Josh was out he got his opportunity he made the most of it um so those two guys, um, they're they're behind guys. Josh didn't have to play behind guys when he came in. Andre was expected to play right away. Spencer was expected. So that's why you see those guys. And as far as the sophomores go, again, I mean, you got to give these guys time. They they weren't coming in and playing huge minutes. They were coming in competing against each other to earn the minutes they've got. And you've seen a lot of up and downs from all of them. Um, 
especially Jerron, uh, you gotta like the way he's uh, when he plays well. You gotta love it. Um, obviously, Dustin is a big time competitor, and and there's a reason why Coach Boyle plays him so much. Um, he's just he'll get after it, and he does a lot of things that you don't see in the stat sheet or that you don't really see um, as a fan. So. I wouldn't say any of these guys are necessarily stars, but can they be? Yes. Um, but the the thing is that going back to your question is that Spencer was forced into a, I mean, not forced. He earned as a freshman starting role, big time minutes. Um, Andre had to play big time minutes. Um, and, and the cast around those guys also made them better um, when they were younger. And I think part of the reason why you, we haven't seen these guys have like, we haven't seen the expectation level that we've had is low because these guys don't exactly have the cast around them that those guys in the past had. You you talk about the cast. We're talking with the former buff Bo Gamble talking sea hoops. Askia Booker gets a lot of criticism, but he's the one guy on that basketball court that's not scared to take a big shot. Uh, it looks like some other guys are. Uh, do you sense that when you when you're watching this basketball team that? Uh, he's the only guy that, that really kind of has that relentless attitude. And are there chemistry issues a, as a result of that? Uh, yes and no. Um, at times I definitely see and I'm watching and it's like there's four guys and they're looking at Ski like, okay, what are we going to do? Um, and there's also times when guys get open shots created from Ski or from someone else and they're not taking them because they're getting the ball back to Ski because – Part of me feels like this is Ski's senior year, and Ski wants to take big shots and make big plays, and he's always been like that. Um, but this is this is Ski's team. Uh, the, the the majority of the ball handling is in his hands, and 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 the re- and the record what they are reflects on Ski's play. Um, I think when Ski shoots the ball well, I, I I don't I'm not completely positive, but if Ski shoots over fifty percent. I'm pretty sure we've won every game, um, not positive. Uh, and obviously, Josh Scott is the guy, but sometimes it's hard to get uh, the big man involved, depending how defenses are playing. And and it, and it boils down to the guards game, and especially at the end of games. So guys are looking towards Ski, um, and, and that's the reflection of how the year's gone, how he's played. I think the thing that, most fans are most frustrated with this year is the fact that it seems that even after uh, even the team after Spencer went down last year was better than this team this year which doesn't make sense because it, it is the same team um, minus you know you and Ben Mills and um, who am I blanking on here no one yeah so well, it, yeah, it, obviously it, Ben Mills and I were great players well <laughs> <laughs> what well, I mean, what do you think? Could it be a team chemistry issue that that has caused this regression? Um, team chemistry, no, but lack of locker room leadership, absolutely. Um, there's no one really. I mean, there's guys that are capable on that team of taking the reins and getting everyone rallied, but there's not one or two guys that are just like, hey, this is this is how it goes. Um, I mean, it's tough to say. I I don't know if I could tell you the answer I would. Before we let you get out of here, Bo, you said that, that CU fans have gotten kind of spoiled in, in terms of this team's success in recent years. 
um, and that NCAA tournaments are, are not a given. What what would you tell CU fans they should expect out of this team during these final 15 Pac-12 games? How would you kind of revise their expectations? Well, on the road, it's going to be up and down. Um, I don't expect to win at Arizona. Hopefully we come out and play competitive. But Arizona State, hopefully we put our team on the court that's going to be in a dogfight and win at Arizona State. And then you can expect when the Washingtons and the Cows and the Stanford and, and, and Arizona comes home, you can expect very competitive ball games and the home crowd needs to back us and they should be great at home. As far as the road goes, I mean, you got to shoot well and you got to hope the other team doesn't shoot well and you got to play crazy on defense to win on the road no matter who you're playing against. So I hope we can steal a couple on the road and I hope we can protect home court and I can assure you that especially if um, uh, we lose at Arizona and and we don't play well at Arizona State, I can guarantee you just like when we lost in Hawaii that we are ready for UCLA and USC that the boys will be ready for Washington and Washington State at home. So expectation-wise, expect these boys to win at home and then on the road expect them to beat the bottom half and then the top half, just expect them to compete, and that's all I can say. I think that the the thing that you know you need in, in terms of perspective right now is for this team to go to the NCAA tournament. Uh, they needed to go at least twelve and six in conference. Well, if you're writing down six losses in this conference schedule, you were gonna write in Utah on the road and Arizona on the road. So let those two games happen and see what happens from there on out. All right, both both thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me on, guys. That was Bo Gamble, former Buff, talking CU Hoops. We're going to switch over to football recruiting and talk to the Buffalo's prize recruit, Tim Lanat, after this. Sports Stampede. Sports Stampede with Michael Clark and Adam Munster-Tiger, publisher of BuffStampede.com. Welcome back into the second hour of Sports Stampede. Adam Munster-Tiger here with Ryan Konigsberg. Again, Michael Clore on vacation out in Hawaii. Uh, imagine he's having an even better time on this Saturday morning than we are, but it's been great to be with you. We were talking CU basketball last segment. We're going to talk CU again this segment, but we're going to talk a little football recruiting, and we're going to uh, try to get to some of your mailbag questions that we weren't able to last week. Uh, before we welcome in the Buffalo's prized football commitment from the class of 2015, let me tell you about the Milwaukee Street Tavern located at 201 Milwaukee Street in Cherry Creek. They offer a comfortable and friendly atmosphere, more intimate than the sprawling warehouse-sized joints. As they say, life is about friendship. This tavern is for friends. If you're going to see a great game, why not see it at a great place? The Milwaukee Street Tavern features over 50 beers, beer specials daily, a late-night menu available until midnight, and a late-night party crowd. And you know the food is good because it's where restaurant people go when they get off. The Milwaukee Street Tavern at 201 Milwaukee Street 
in Cherry Creek with free garage parking down below. Now let's welcome in Tim Lanott, highly regarded offensive guard prospect from Regis Jesuit High School in Aurora, verbally committed to Colorado over offers from Oregon, UCLA, Miami, Arizona State, Kansas State, among others. And he recently got a chance to play against the best high school players in the country. Tim, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? Doing well. Well, first off, uh, Semper Fi All-American Bowl is a great honor to be able to get selected to play in that football game. What was that experience like for you? Um, you know, it was awesome. <clears throat> it was awesome getting to play against some of the best players in the nation. Um, it was awesome just to hear from the Marines and get a little um, glimpse of what they do. And um, the Marines were very inspirational. Um, they define what being a part of a team means. And um, <clears throat> they were essentially just it was just a great time up there, and it was just awesome getting to meet some guys that can play in the near future. Do you feel like that gave you kind of a preview of what it's going to be like at the college level? All all those guys you went up against are going to be playing at the next level. Was it different for you in practices in the game uh, as you kind of prepare to get, get your own game ready for the college level? Yes, um, I think it was, it was very different, but um, I feel like it was a tiny glimpse of what it would be like in college. Just They're the same age as, I, as me, but... Um, I think it's just a really, um, it was just a glimpse of what I'm going to see in college, and I'm going to be playing these guys in the near future. So um, it was a lot different from just a regular high school practice or something like that from my school, but um, it was just awesome to start playing these guys and kind of get a little glimpse of what I'm going to see in the future. I'm going to put you on the spot. What was the best defense alignment that you went up against? It could be in practice or the game during that Semper Fi All-American Bowl. Um, you know, there was actually a lot of them. Um, I think one of the best ones I went against, though, were he was on my team, actually. His last name was Jefferson. Um, I think he's going to USC. Uh, he's one of the best ones I've gone against and um, one of the biggest. So um, I think he was the best one I've gone against in that whole uh, center fight thing. Okay. Yeah, uh, Noah Jefferson, I think you're talking about. From, from Was he from Las Vegas? I think so, yeah. Okay. Yep, he's a four-star recruit committed to USC. Now, obviously, you're committed to the Buffs. You decided to stay in-state. Uh, you even had your, your father's alma mater, Penn State, coming a- after you here. Uh, talk a little bit about that decision. What what made you want to stay in Colorado and play for the Buffaloes? You know, um, I just the new facilities are going to be insane. I, I mean, they're going to be amazing. I've kind of seen a glimpse of that, too, when I went on my official. Um, also, uh, the coaches are amazing. I mean, I have some friends up there. It's close to home. It's like 40 minutes away. Um, there's just so many, like, factors that, and I can possibly see some playing time in the, as a freshman, and um, that'll be a great opportunity to have. And I think that it's just a, it feels like it's just a great fit when I went up there. Like you know that you have that feeling of um, what like the right feel is, and for me, C was the right feel for me, and that's why I committed there. You are one of uh, the the top six ranked in-state prospects this recruiting cycle and four of you guys are committed to see you it's one thing that that the buffaloes in previous years had a trouble had trouble doing was was keeping the top guys close what what worked about mcintyre's sales pitch to you and you know those other in-staters this cycle um his sales pitch to me was we're going to go get a national championship that was one of the big things and um it was a big thing to where he gave me a lot of things about how i'm close to family um how like the program is just all together, just the um, just the players, the, the coaches. And he basically sold it to me very well and just sold that um, we're going to go win a national championship and we're going to be a better team than we ever were before. And I think that was a big factor for me and just I think that was a big, like that was a major thing uh, that made me decide to go there. Adam talked a little bit about, you know, in-state recruiting and that sort of thing. And I think 
uh, offensive line is the main position that Colorado has been able to pump out D1 talent. Uh, how special could it be for you to you know play on an offensive line uh, that is going to have you and Dylan Middlemiss and Isaac Miller, you know, three guys from the state of Colorado and possibly even more in the future? Um, you know, it's just that would be amazing. Actually, I'm just like thinking about it right now. It just gives me chills. But uh, um, it's awesome. Actually, it's just. I feel like we're going to get even better people too in the future if we once we start winning games again. And I think that um, O line's a big factor too. But um, every position is. But um, some, getting some of those best alignment in state is awesome, and um, I think it just help us um, become a better team and just a better power O. Do you think, uh, or at least hope that you guys are kind of start uh, going to start a trend of those top offensive linemen staying in Colorado? You know. I, I don't know that, but I hope so. I really hope that um, we could basically just bring more of the best recruits in the state to Colorado and keep them in state. Um, also bring guys out of state. And um, I think it just, I hope it starts a trend, and I think it will, honestly. Going back to the Semper Five real quick, did uh, did all all the players stay in the same hotel there? Yeah, all of them did. Um, we just, all, everyone had a roommate. So anytime you get that many high school seniors, in a hotel together, there's got to be some some funny story or some shenanigans that went down. Anything you can share with us? Um, there was one funny story. So we were we had a media day and um and we had a little little players lounge that we always went to, and uh, this one guy uh, named Gabe, he was another lineman actually. He fell asleep on the floor and these guys told me to actually pour water just right in between his legs when he was laying on the stomach and. He didn't wake up at all. <laughs> someone, someone woke him up, and then um, he just started feeling between his legs, and he thought he actually beat himself. <laughs> he was just freaking out. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it was funny. It was probably one of the biggest highlights of the, of just the whole thing, and it was just the most funny thing. That's that's a deep sleeper right there. Oh, I know it was funny. We're talking with Tim Lenat, uh, highly regarded offensive guard prospect from Regis Jesuit. Tim, before we let you get out of here, you mentioned the, the facilities up at CU that they're currently building, being part of your decision to pick CU. Do you think that that's going to help the bus recruiting efforts even more when it's actually completed, when it, it's functional, guys can get in there and actually kind of see the functionality of it? I really think so, honestly. I mean, um, it's got to be more than just facilities. It's got to be the just whole team effort and how like the team's performing. But um, I feel like that could attract more players to come to see you. And um, the locker room's gonna be insane. I, I know like everything's gonna be awesome there. I just kind of seen it, just a little thing like just I've walked through the construction site and it's awesome. It's gonna be big and um, I think it will attract recruits to come to Colorado. Good stuff, Tim. Thanks for coming on the show with us today. Yeah, thank you very much. That was a that was a good story from his trip out uh, for the Semper Fi All American Bowl. I swear that wasn't a prearranged question. That that couldn't have gone any better. <laughs> well, we we uh, don't have a lot of time left in this segment, but we can get into a few questions here from uh, the mailbag segment that we couldn't get all the, all the questions last week. Um, Griffin asks us, "Am I?" He says, "I am more concerned about the linebacker position than anything. Do you see any current roster players?" being moved to that position to fill the void. Obviously, uh, these are CU-related questions. Um, yeah, Christian Shaver, who was kind of a hybrid that was playing defensive end and linebacker as a true freshman, is going to be, as far as I understand, primarily at linebacker this season. And if you could just have a healthy Addison Gillum for, for 13 games next year, they play, they play 13 games playing at Hawaii, allows them out, that opportunity, then that takes care of a lot of those concerns. That was the 
major issue for for them this this last year. He had four or five ailments throughout the season, and so I think that's the key there. Now with, with CU, you only have two linebackers on the field at a time, so I think sometimes when you look at their depth chart, they kind of do a traditional four three depth chart, but you, you had um, Woodson Greer listed as a starter. He played less than 200 snaps last year. So you're not going to have three linebackers out there. You're going to have two linebackers. So if you can have Addison Gillum healthy, uh, Christian Shaver there will, will uh, provide uh, some playmaking ability. Grant Watanabe joins the mix. He was one of their top recruits. He had a gray shirt this past year because of a foot injury. And then you have Jay Hockaday, a high school kid, verbally committed there. Um, it, it's I still I, I understand the concern there. There should be concern until Addison Gillum can prove that he can gain some weight and stay healthy. That should be a concern. D How eight 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 asks talk a little bit about the quarterback position, how that will look this spring and going into next season. Is Cepho the clear leader? Will Steven Montez play or redshirt? You know, Jordan Gerke's performance at, at Oregon prompts me to think that Cepho Lufau is the clear leader here going into the spring. Um, but not with like certainty going forward. I think there's big questions about him going forward. I'm anxious to see what Kate Apsay can do this spring. Last last year during camp, he was kind of swimming, trying to learn the offense. I love Steven Montez. He, I've said it multiple times. He's the high school recruit, quarterback recruit that I've been the highest on in 12 years covering CU. But until he gets on campus and proves it, you can't say anything other than Cepho is the the front runner. Ryan, anything to add there? Yeah. Um... I, I agree with you. You know, you, I'm really excited to see when Steven Montez does get on campus because, like you, I, I'm very, very high on him. Um, when we watched him at that camp this last summer, um, I didn't even know who he was. Um, you know, when we were watching him, I just said, wow, that guy is slinging it. And uh, later we find out that it's Montez in only, you know, a week or so, even maybe even less, he committed to the Buffaloes. I, I do think he probably has the best chance of anyone to, to, uh, to challenge Cepho. Um, I, I know you said you're excited to see what Cade Apsay can do. I'm not very high on, on uh, his prospects. So I, I really think that Montez, if anyone is going to challenge Cepho, will be that guy. And then in, it kind of comes down to that. If they're, if they're you know, very close, I, I think that McIntyre and the staff will be um, inclined to, to stick with the guy who, who started for almost two years now and, and then give Montez that red shirt unless he's needed. Stan Buff asks, what's the philosophy behind taking just one quarterback per recruiting class? Competition is good, right? Why not take two and double your chances of hitting? It's simply difficult to keep two true quarterback recruits committed to the same class. It's a delicate position. In theory, yeah, I mean, it'd be great to sign three guys every year and let the the cream rise, so to speak. Uh, It's just not really realistic in college football. What you want to do is find one guy that, that you're really confident in and keep him on board. Sometimes when you start fishing around for another quarterback, he's going to then go back out into the market and see what he can get in terms of offers. The, the problem with CU has just been that that one quarterback they've signed each year just hasn't panned out the way they want it to. So you don't see a lot of, a lot of uh, college programs take more than one per year. It's kind of, uh, again, it's a delicate position. It's hard to recruit more than one guy at that position. LJ Buffs asked, does Devin Ross get lost in the shuffle? Could he be a player for us, or is he just another guy? Th- this question just kind of shows it's a far cry, the receiver position, now from 2012. Back then, when Paul Richardson tore his ACL and you had McCulloch starting out there, I mean, Devin Ross would have been 
the team's number two or three guy that season. There's a, a lot of quality depth at that position with Spruce, Fields, Bobo, uh, Donovan Lee playing as a true freshman. I think Jay McIntyre is going to be a good slot receiver for them. It's going to be interesting battle between Devin Ross, Lee Walker, uh, Elijah Dunstan. I think th- there's only so many spots to get on the field, and I think one of those guys could do it. Um, I, I, Devin Ross did redshirt this past year, so um, that was good for them, I think, to, to further develop him. Anyways, uh, that was our Rock and CU brought to you by Rock and Company, Colorado Specialty Stone Construction and Rocks Product Company. Proud CU alums and supporters, Real Rock for the Yard, rockandcompany.com.